Hey there, Ash vs. Evil Dead fans! Welcome to another episode of the Ash vs. Evil Dead After Buzz After Show. Tonight we are talking about Season 2, Episode 1, Home. We got a lot of new characters and a lot of really fun stuff to talk about. Stay tuned. You're tuning into the destination for TV superfan discussion, After Buzz TV. And now, let the buzz begin! Hey there, Evil Dead fans. It is so good to be back here tonight to talk about the first episode of Season 2. How are you guys all doing tonight? Super. Amazing. <laughs> groovy. Just groovy. If somebody doesn't say groovy every time yeah. I ask that, I'm going to be slightly disappointed. Yeah. But hey, That's everybody. answer. Yes, absolutely. Let us. Let me go ahead and introduce my fantastic yeah. panel to my left, Lex Michael. That is indeed I. I am Lex Michael, all over social media, at the Lex Michael. Lucretia Lyon. Hi, uh, guys. Since I'm Lucretia Lyon, you can always find me at L-A-C-R-E-T-I-A anywhere on the internet, since there is only one. Emma Fife. That's me, Emma mm. Fife. I can be found all over the internet at my name, Emma Fife. And I'm Megan Salinas. You guys can tweet at me at the Menguin. That's T-H-E-M-E-N-G-U-I-N. We're also going to be keeping an eye on the hashtag ABTV Evil Dead, as well as an eye on the live chat uh, internet connectivity pending. Yes. <laughs> we're working on it. Yes. We're, we're, in, we're in Studio One. It is the further away from the source of the internet it's and therefore the most challenging internet wise but we are doing our best it is a wi-fi dead zone so we're gonna do our best but guys we've been away for a little while yes. how does it feel to come home to this season uh so great you know we started watching this episode and i just remembered how much i love the show it's so <laughs> great i mean there were a couple of things i'm um, specifically with the treatment of amanda's character that ended yes. up being very disappointing for me last season but Overall, like there was still so much that was so great about it, and like especially especially talking to Ray earlier, like made me really reconsider them some things specifically yes. because of how the character of Pablo is portrayed, which is so wonderful and positive to me. So I just I'm very happy to be back into this. Yeah, we we could go on an entire tirade yeah. about what happened to Jill's character yes. last mm. season. We we spent an entire episode doing it. We last did a little bit, yeah. Season. But that being said, overall it's still a really fun, campy, yeah. dark series. And we get all of that in this episode, I think. And what's great is you spent the first season setting up this new iteration of the world. Yeah, and you, sure. You build your sandbox, and now you have full reign to play in that sandbox. And they jump right into it immediately. <laughs> you're, yeah. like, you're giggling at me. I'm going, like, what's happening? Well, I'm just like, so many things you guys have said really just resonate with this you know, opening and how I feel that this season, the going home. Yes, they're going to Ash's hometown, slashy, ashy, you know? Ashy, ashy slashy. slashy. <laughs> so, yeah, and one of the really great things about this season, too, or about the series as a whole, was the really great creature effects. And I, before we before we go into like the episode and the characters and everything like that, I want to know, what was your guys' favorite special effect from this episode? Oh, definitely uh, the the now grown-up creepy kid, like, dissolving into a puddle of brain goo. <laughs> that was, yeah, that that was pretty gross. That was it was good. so, like, outcast, the yeah. black goo. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the mercury blood was amazing. I gotta go with Ray pulling his oh, face off. Oh, that was gross. Yeah, that was great. I, I have to go with that as well, mainly because there were, there were a few nods to Poltergeist in this episode, mm. and Poltergeist was the one movie that terrified me as a kid. Um, it was one of the few horror movies I actually watched as a kid because that stupid PG rating. <laughs> um, ah. But the part where the guy rips his face off, if you watch it now, it 
does not look good. This looked amazing. It looked amazing, yeah. and they, he had the little like gumdrop eyeball <laughs> still in his head perfectly, which oh, I love. So gross. It was so eighties, like that. <laughs> the, the eyeballs, just in general, you're like, this is definitely a throwback uh, to like literally name any eighties, uh, you know, fun horror, horror film. Yeah, absolutely, yeah, absolutely. So yeah, let's let's go ahead. You you mentioned uh, they they laid the the groundwork last season for for this new iteration. Let's talk a little bit about the new status quo because uh, we have evil sort of slowly but surely running amok in the world and Ash is down in Jacksonville living it up. Yeah. Or so he thinks anyway. What is the no his his dream includes what may now rank among the most distressing expressions I've ever heard? Oh, something yeah. about something about spicy man meat in a mother daughter sandwich. Yep, that's yeah. exactly which is, that's exactly what it was. So like we know where the bar is set. We know exactly what he wants to be doing. And that moment Our hero, ladies and yeah. gentlemen. Yeah. yeah, and they, they get you get to play on expectations in wonderful ways because you know yeah. the the first promo image for the season that was released if I'm not mistaken was him at that keg party killing the keg with the chainsaw. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. You see yeah. it even knowing that's coming sure. I think that moment still plays absolutely wonderfully. I, I agree and at the same time you know you are dealing with Ash who who you are led to believe certainly in all the various like reiterations if you will of the initial Evil Dead story like he becomes more and more sort of that like charmingly misogynistic. Well, again, we we see he's a very flawed person, but his bravado and charisma we forgive him for all those things, but it doesn't take away from the fact that yeah. he is that very flawed individual yes. that is really only skirting by on luck, yeah. charisma, and the occasional badass yeah. moment. Yeah, because yeah. it's just so funny that this is Ash's dream life that we're seeing, and that this we're supposed to like this person, but you do because it's like all he yeah. wants in the world is to live in Jacksonville, Florida, and just uh, eat, drink, and be married, do absolutely nothing with his life, yeah. but yet he's El Jefe. Well, and again, <laughs> he's absolutely doing nothing to like provide for their livelihood in this new scenario. No, not he's at all. He's just partying it up while Kelly has to tend bar. Yeah, to yeah, yeah, support yeah. No, absolutely. Them. Yeah, it's uh, actually in uh, in the chat in regards to Ash and, and talking sort of about like because to me that that image of like Jacksonville, Florida is the ultimate. Like that just <laughs> let, just lets you know immediately what you're dealing with. Um, but uh, but Christian in the chat says that uh, Ash's dad uh, Brock is way more badass than he is, uh, and uh, Blockbuster Bill thinks he is a major asshole, which kind mm-hmm. of explains a little bit about Ash. <laughs> I, well, I think the the line that Lee. Majors delivers in this episode that maybe explains everything about Ash is when he introduces himself as Brock and then follows up by letting you know that if you want to, you can call him cock. Yeah. And Kelly's immediate reaction of, you're Ash's yeah. dad. <laughs> yeah, it is It is not difficult at all to see you know, that Ash in his own way is a chip off the old block. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Racism um, is even more blatant. Yep. 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 Yeah. Now, oh, although being introduced to Lee Majors, <laughs> it's really exciting whenever we get so an actor like Lee Majors mm, yeah. in a show like this. Do you guys think this is just kind of going to be a one-off cameo, or do you oh, guys think he's going to become no, a more recurring character? No, no, no. I think he's going to be a recurring character. This, I, I certainly hope he's going to be a recurring character this season. I will say, 
Oh man, as a fan of Evil Dead, and particularly as a fan of Evil Dead the musical that does such a beautiful job combining the first and second Evil Deads, I was just so frustrated that no one in this town and his dad wasn't like, uh, you murdered your sister. Yes! Yes! That drove me crazy! Shit, like... And I think even, like, I think even in the preview for this season, like, at one point they go over Cheryl's room. Yeah. So that's something we're going to touch on, but, like, seeing your son for the first time in X amount of years, bringing up the fact that he killed his girlfriend, but not his sister, even the townsfolk didn't bring up the fact that Ash's sister is super dead because of him. But on a conceptual level, I think my single favorite thing about this episode was that, of course, his reputation would have followed him back to his hometown long before Deadites do. And I love that we actually get to explore that now. Yeah. Um, That's true. I I also love that Ash's, like, high school girlfriend was also named Linda. Does anybody find that as, like, a horrible, ominous cloud, like, now now hanging over her? Right, but now I'm, like, thinking, okay, so... So maybe, actually, Ash went to a cabin a few times and they were just all named Linda. <laughs> He's got a type. It's, it's like Ron Swanson on Parks and Rec with yes, all the Tammy. Yes. It's, like, it's all Linda's. <laughs> it's always Linda. It's uh, just always Linda. Uh, <laughs> that could be a decent headcanon reason for why they look different in every movie. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. they're actually all different women. They're named all Linda. And different he just Linda's. has luck. That's that That'd be bad. hysterical. <laughs> I we, love that. It's canon now, guys. <laughs> yes. So yeah, let's let's talk a little bit about Ash going home and and the legend of Ashy Slashy. Ashy Slashy. Which did you guys ever like grow up with any like hometown ghost stories like that? Because we, when, as a kid, like Bloody Mary yeah. was always sure, a thing. sure. Yeah, I mean, yes and no. Yeah, I can't think of anything specifically for my hometown when I grew up. But there, I mean, there are definitely a few. I lived out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. There were definitely a few like sketchy houses on the very outskirts of town that like no one would go to. Yeah, we had a graveyard in my hometown that was like old and creepy and like the uh, you know the street's name is not Werewolf Lane because the, we would name a street that. <laughs> sure, but that's sure. what we would call it, like Werewolf Lane. There's all this creepy stuff. I went in that graveyard like a hundred times. And yeah, like, nothing ever happened. <laughs> yeah, my, with a Ouija board. Never my knew. my uh, oh. with a Ouija board. Yeah. Perfect. You are crazy. You were like really pressing it. <laughs> I was yeah, like, I good. mean, like in in our uh, for some reason, my town thought it'd be real cute to have a whole neighborhood. Um, named after uh, like Sleepy Hollow like the name of the development was Sleepy Hollow and so like literally all of the roads were named after characters from that story so that's awesome yeah Yeah, I grew up in South Florida in in, specifically in Boca Raton which has not been developed long enough for Mm. there to be much of like Mm -hmm. hauntings and spirits (laughs) and all that you'd have to go all the way back to like the Spanish conquistadors coming to Florida looking for the Fountain of Youth for there to be any like exciting potential ghosts. <laughs> potential ghost stories. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, but Ash himself has become like that, that like creepy rhyme that children do. Yeah, like, yeah, sure. to scare each other and right. give themselves nightmares at night. And again, it, it totally makes sense. And I'm kind of surprised that the townsfolk don't immediately run him out of town when he walks into that bar. I mean, they basically try to. I, I, I think that that scene to me went down approximately how I thought it would. But I really enjoyed Ash's conviction to being like, you know what? I am Ashy Slashy, and I'm here to save you all. <laughs> <laughs> and you're going to 
thank me. Exactly. <laughs> and I wasn't crazy. I knew exactly what I was yes, doing when I murdered all those friends. people. <laughs> yeah. That was my favorite one. Yeah. Leave it to Ash to not be able to adequately explain the situation. Yeah. Um, but I, I want to, each of the characters is kind of going through their own thing right now. Ruby's dealing with her unruly children. Uh, Ash has his dad who, who he has to worry about. And Kelly, I, we, we touched on it a little bit, having to have supported them financially at this point. she. We also see that when she's confronted with the evil version of herself, again, one another, I think, like, most of the, the nods to the original uh, Evil Dead trilogy were with Kelly this time around. We're pointing out that, like, she's a more competent leader. So I'm wondering, how long is this family unit going to stay intact when we have Kelly thinking she's more qualified. Right. Ruby, who wrote the Necronomicon. Seriously. <laughs> Ash being himself. And and then Ash's dad telling him, you know, you kind of murdered everyone. Yeah. You're a terrible person. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I actually, uh, Joe in the chat said that uh, he has a feeling that uh, Cheryl's death will be addressed um, this season, and it seems like they are treating it as a big deal. So I would like that. I would like that too. Um, just because, because I, I'm a big subscriber to the I went to a cabin with all of my friends again. It's entirely because of uh, Evil Dead the Musical. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Evil Dead... <laughs> Speaking of Evil Dead the Musical, it's playing in Long Beach right now. I know, oh, yeah, yeah. at Folks. the Garage Theater Company. Mm. Oh. I've done plays with them before. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but yeah. So for all of you Los Angeles locals, uh, you can go check that out until I want to say October sixteenth. Yeah. Uh, anyway, how do you guys think the leadership dynamic is going to change this season with all of those different factors kind of changing up the group dynamic? I mean, be given her history, Ruby is certainly poised to be a better leader than Ash. Uh, she's a little smarter than he is. Uh, however, I I think she's smart enough to know that she's got to make Ash feel like he's the one in charge. Yep. And I do think that obviously we're starting to see a little bit of like my interpretation anyway of Kelly versus Kelly was like Kelly's sort of inner voice fighting with her. And so I, I think that's certainly something that we're going to see addressed this season. And my hope is honestly that I, I'm sure we'll get some conflict out of it, but my hope is honestly that Ash will eventually be like, you know what, Kelly, you take the lead. You know what I mean? I, yeah, I yeah. would love an episode where she gets to like yeah. take charge and like lead everyone. Yeah, because to me, you know, like her inner monologue with herself, I was thinking the same thing because Kelly is the most level headed. She's yeah. actually the most, uh, you know, fucked up by this, let's just yeah, say totally. it. Like, uh, throughout her journey and is still the most level-headed one of them. So yeah, she should be leading this. Yeah. You know? yeah, I feel like though Ash's ego is such that he wouldn't voluntarily step away from leadership oh, no. and allow her to Fair assume enough. that role. It would be a situation where he is out of commission or unable to be proactive, she would sure, step sure. up. Yeah, and then yeah. he's forced to go, oh, I underestimated your abilities. Yes. Well, yeah. yeah. Especially with his underlying misogyny. You know, he's underlying. never going... Is it underlying? Yeah. It's underlying. Yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure it's overlying everything. Yeah. <laughs> everything. But yeah, it's like he's not going to say, oh yeah, a woman should be in charge. Um, but, you know, his cheeky little self yeah. eventually gives in. Exactly. Yeah. And, I, and I think that, that Kelly certainly 
could prove herself and that would be really fun and cool and I, I would love to see that. Like her shirt. It said fuck the cloth. <laughs> I was buying that. I really yep. Yep. <laughs> uh, in the hashtag on Twitter uh, at BeebusterBill uh, asks, you think Pablo and Kelly will be a thing? I mean, in the finale last year she called him my Pablo. This is a funny thing is last season I didn't want them to be together but the more I've thought about Pablo and how like he's kind of the damsel and mm-hmm. like the magical mm-hmm. girl yeah. of the group like I sort of want them to be together now. <laughs> the, it's always tough when you get uh, a pair that's always presented as like a brother sort of sister relationship yeah, but yeah. like with that platonic love there because on the one hand it's like I would love for more shows to just go that route like we yeah. don't have to have a romance I, every I single time. I agree with you on that completely. But mm-hmm. it's really hard to take off the ship Bing goggles. Yeah. And just as a fan, it's like, no, be together. Kiss, kiss, kiss. Yeah. <laughs> well, and it's like they're both so inherently likable and they play off of each other so they, well. Yes, they absolutely are. And they're also this group, the two of them, Ash and now Ruby, are on their own little island surrounded by all of this horribleness. So mm. you just want them, if only so they can have a nice thing. Yeah. yeah. And, and especially, again, with a show like this where there's lots of comedy, but like there's also a lot of darkness and sure. they they are they're a group that is collectively very traumatized <laughs> by by everything that they've gone through and uh uh Ray touched on it in our interview with him earlier but like Pablo in particular he's gone through so much dark stuff and yet yeah. still actively seeks out the light and that optimism and even in when things are at their absolute darkest yeah. darkest still tries to smile. Yeah. And it's like yeah. that's just so endearing yeah. and, so and you want a character like that to be yeah. happy and Kelly would make him happy. Yeah. Chat seems to <laughs> uh ship Pablo and Kelly as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if there's anybody who doesn't ship them, let us know in the comments below. Uh but you better yeah. be convincing. Joe is, <laughs> Joe in the chat says he's um surprised we haven't mentioned uh the scene that we had after Pablo did rescue Kelly from the blood water pit and she like embraced him. Like she that, was, did. Like, that was great. And I, there was that moment it cuts away pretty quickly, but if you're watching Ray's face, he does have this uh, <laughs> like look on his face. She's like, I could get used to this. Yeah. That sort of thing. Yeah. Even if it wasn't romantic, it, it was a very nice moment between the two of them, and you certainly saw like their sort of bond, and I I liked it. <laughs> I too. So yeah, let's let's talk a little bit about Pablo and his connection. Connection to the Necronomicon, yeah. because I think altogether that's probably the most unsettling yeah. aspect of this episode. You know, we had guts all over the floor, and I still think that the creepiest thing in this episode was Pablo oh, no. sketching the, the no, Necronomicon. The, the guts on the floor was hilarious, for the record. <laughs> uh, Pablo sketching the ne- Necronomicon and then having like a serious, full-on like Necronomicon hallucination freakout. That that was terrifying. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And even that moment where he just grabs his hand to like stop from mm-hmm. sketching. It was like, mm-hmm. no, no, we can't keep losing appendages in this yeah, Exactly, like, that's oh, the thing. Is, but is- just time out for a second. Speaking of sketches, not to get too off topic. <laughs> the sketch of Ruby. <laughs> Did it look weirdly like the Enchantress to anybody else? Oh yeah. Oh, like that's immediately what I thought. I was like, that kind of looks like Enchantress. Yeah. So, you know, good job, Pablo. That's funny. <laughs> that was so hilarious. <laughs> and Ash right. And and uh, and Brock's reaction to it, where he was like, "You guys looking for Bigfoot?" <laughs> <laughs> Did you draw that with your chainsaw? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. But yeah, so 
Obviously, we have some lingering effects from the Necronomicon. Being part of his face? Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Which I, I really appreciate that, like... It's not like, oh, everything's fixed now. Like, there's yeah. still something deep within him that is tied to this very evil book. Yeah. Well, and it's a way to explore what we established even before we got there in season one, where he's obviously the nephew of the Brujo, and he's got some connection to this magical realm. Right. And he himself is not fully aware of what that is, but this is just a way to kick those doors open. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. But, like... Something that, like, we, we, again, we touched on in the interview with him is the, the pendant that he got for, yes. from the Brujo last season. It did absolutely nothing to actually protect him from being taken over by the Necronomicon. No. And yet it still seems to be some sort of... But it did this time around when the creepy kids, now grown into creepy, naked sexless adults uh, <laughs> was like coming after him when he held the the pendant and was like oh I don't you know oh please protect me like he was straight up invisible like the thing could not sense him at all but I also was having like terrible visions of my cats turning on me because they like <laughs> get up in my face kind of like the thing did to him and I just it was, I was, I was very emotional when Ruby was having her confrontation with them well, my cat loves me so <laughs> that's what you yeah. think Lucretia Ruby thought that the creepy kids loved yeah. her well, what I also thought was interesting was that one of the creepy kids calls Ash Hefe and Paul yeah. was the only yeah. one to do that yeah, that's true. They, I think they did it to kind of like throw it in his face because according to the Necronomicon, he's the savior of humanity. humanity yeah. But yeah, there is clearly that tie because why use that word specifically right. unless you're talking about the legend, mm-hmm, you know, that the mm-hmm, brujo, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. imparted onto Pablo. So yeah, it's... It's interesting. I I want to keep talking about. I could yeah. talk about Pablo for the rest of the night. You know, just talking yeah. about like what this means and right. whether or not this is going to be something he's going to be able to combat, or if he's going to have to kind of walk his own own path away from the group to kind of like like do his own little yeah. spirit quest sort yeah. of thing. Well, and Ray did hint at it in the interview earlier about you know Pablo's journey being more similar to Ash's in the movies. So I that may have been hinting at he's going to have yeah. to go his own way. Well, and then he specifically yeah. made the comment about the chainsaw hand, which at first I went, well, I may be joking, but then we see Pablo's hand mm-hmm. acting of its mm-hmm. own accord, and I'm going, what device will yeah. go on Ray Santiago's wrist? I mean, we've seen that he He's able to make a robot hand. Let's yeah. let's yeah. hope he has a few spares so that if, sure. he, if he happens to lose one, he, he can you know he has one at the ready. And, and yeah. it should always be your weapon of choice. But Pablo, as you know, Ray pointed out as well, hasn't chosen weapon. Not like Kelly, who's like flamethrower, flamethrower. So we know <laughs> right. what she would have on her hand. But Pablo, <laughs> what would he do? Like waffle iron, something weird. <laughs> something weird. Yeah. But yeah, I like the idea because because you know Pablo hasn't been able to find a weapon yet. Yeah. Uh, as as he pointed out, I would really like it if like he can just like later on down the line if like he could just tap in to his connection to all this magical stuff yeah. and that that's his weapon. Maybe the amulet can act that's, as like a conduit. That's what I was saying. Like I want him to be the magic user of this group. <laughs> no. He needs to be magic the willow missile. instead yeah. of the <laughs> Exactly. Like, hey, well, it 
takes magic users a while to become useful. Like in the beginning, as you say, it's like magic missile, and then finally you get like fireball, and it's like, oh, thank goodness, I can actually do something <laughs> other than like use all my MP immediately and throw darts. Uh, but been there, <laughs> <laughs> yep. haven't we all? <laughs> but yeah, I, I really, I really want to see him like grow into this, you know, sort of magical spiritual role because we don't really necessarily have somebody that's there other than Ruby to some extent due to her being a dark one and her connection to the actual composition of the Necronomicon itself. So Yeah, and it would be really cool to actually see somebody able to like actually adequately be able to use magic sure. in this world because when you look at Ash versus the Army of Darkness, theoretically somebody at some point in that movie should have been able to cast a spell. Agree. Mm. It seems like the setting for mm. it. Yeah, but <laughs> never happened. It would be really cool to actually be able to see somebody just like Kamehameha <laughs> like a deadite away. It would be great. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Is that too much to ask? Yeah. So yeah, let's let's talk a little bit about Ruby's kids. Because they've hit, uh, they've hit their angsty teenage rebellion stage, and they've just decided, "Hey, mom, you're not gonna. We're rule gonna the world. murder you. We're it's gonna, fine. We're gonna <laughs> super kill you, and then we're gonna rule the world, and it's gonna be awesome. It's gonna be great." Well, so there's a, and I'm jumping to there's that the the promo at the very end. There's some voice that's talking about how I'm going to take this. You know, you need Ash yeah. to save humanity, so I'm going to take him from you. So maybe they jumped ship, like they found more preferable management or somebody <laughs> who's darker or something. Yeah, or oh, I I think that they just think they know better. They're like, we are deadites. You're a person. Sure, we got this. Well, mm-hmm. something to kind of recognize is that there is a distinction between deadite classics, I suppose, and Ruby's children right, that we saw right. created at the end of last season. There, and we know from like Ellie Goss and from other things that yes. we've seen in the Necronomicon, there is this hierarchy of deadites, yeah, and of demons basically that yeah. you can work with. You know, deadite propers still obey Ruby to some extent. Sure, but these kids are acting, you know, of their own accord. So it makes you kind of wonder, yeah, if if maybe there is another member of the upper management up there. Sure. If we're going to see another dark one, another author of the Necronomicon, maybe they're siding with this new guy instead. Or maybe this is just another demon that has been unleashed because Ash read from the book, who's like, hey, yeah. while I'm out and about, because we still don't know how long Ruby has been acting of her own accord either. No. Yeah, yeah I'm, <laughs> I... I am... Happy to see Ruby become part of the team this season. You know, even if it's very likely that she has her own motivations that might not end quite so well for Ash if he can't figure her game out. Curse your sudden but inevitable betrayal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I, I am excited to see her, like, be part of the crew and not be, like, this mysterious outlier. Yeah, I grabbed uh, the season one Blu-ray release and I listened to all the commentaries and it was interesting listening to them talk about how they only had Lucy Lawless for some of the time while they were shooting season one, so it mm-hmm. seemed like they uh, were figuring out what to do do with her character yeah, yeah. as they went. And mm. yeah, you can feel that a little bit in places. Yeah, I, I could see that. Okay. But I think having her on, completely on board full time from the jump, I think it'll be a lot easier to organically integrate her. Sure, sure. Uh, one thing that really surprised me since we're talking about Ruby and her children, 
I was surprised, and maybe I'm the only one, mm. but while we were watching this episode, when the last, when it, the, the, she kills the one before Ash blows its head off and it's dying in front of them and it's reacting like, mama. Oh, and yeah. she's reacting to it. I'm sitting there going, I'm going to cry. Yeah. Listen, <laughs> listen guys, yeah. this is very reminiscent of some stuff that went down on Xena Warrior Princess. I'm just saying. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't with her, it was with Gabrielle, but you know, it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> but you bring up a good point is that, like, one of the things that made her so interesting last season is that she doesn't seem like this heartless monster. Yeah. She clearly cared about Amanda in her own way. Yeah. yeah. And so it's and she seemed, I guess, again, maybe she was just vying for power, but she also seems to think that her way is the best way for the world mm-hmm. to be functioning. Sure. And so, like, even when they're trying to kill her, these are still her children yeah. in some way, shape, or form. So it's very... I think it just adds another layer of complexity seeing her emotionally react to destroying these things that she's created. Yes, because, you know, her creating these in her mind was the right thing to do. As I say, most people are always written as the hero of their own story. So her motivations were, in her mind, good, and then it didn't work out. So it's also, you know, not just a child, uh, you know, being that you've lost, but it's your own failure that you're having to watch as well. Yeah. yeah, it got me. <laughs> it did, and yeah, again, we're we're not used to we're seeing used to seeing Deadites feign emotion to like specifically get under under other people's skin, like to to you know cause Ash to go insane, like <sighs> having to talk to his dead girlfriend, but like actually seeing those emotions, it's like oh, you're. You're a little deeper than I just thought. You might be evil, but that doesn't mean you're devoid of emotion either. Yeah, absolutely, exactly. Mm. So yeah, it'll be it'll be very interesting to see how we go about the rest of the season in terms of tracking down the other the other sort mm. of evil demon <laughs> spawn that Ruby has unleashed upon the world. Yeah, and I'm I'm also interested to learn more about her backstory. Yeah, she she just casually mentions at the start of the show, I've. You know, I've worked with Genghis Khan, mm. and you know, I've worked with so many great leaders, and I have to turn to Ash of all people for help. <laughs> this is this is a huge blow to my ego. <laughs> I don't know what I'm gonna do. Yeah. So yeah. So again, it's very interesting hearing her just tidbits of her story here and there. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I love how Joe in one K in the chat says Ruby and Ash. Will that be a thing down the line? I'm pretty, I don't think so. Yeah, no. I, I I sincerely hope not, and I also really don't think it will be. I mean, I trust me, I very much enjoyed it. It was very in character for Ash to basically be like, should I save her because it's the right thing to do or because she's hot? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was great, but I, I don't, you know, I think she's going to be like any woman is to Ash. You know, like, uh, yeah, just blow him off. And to me, I, I think Ruby swings the other way just by a lot of the hints last season, oh. especially with Amanda. I'm like, I think she'd be more interested in Kelly. Really? <laughs> Probably. Yeah. Very drawn to those yeah. strong female characters, that sort of yeah. thing. Yeah, the two of them together, uh, Ash and Ruby, does not sound does not yeah. sound good. It doesn't sound fun for anybody. Yeah. Honestly, nah. I don't. I don't see Ruby getting shipped with any member of this crew right here, just because like she wants to take over the world. Mm-hmm. She did a terrible thing to Pablo, and mm-hmm. she's 
at the end of the last season, she was constantly trying to kill them. I don't yeah. see any Eventually, romance. Eventually, you're going to have to talk about some of this stuff, well, and it's going to get a little weird. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like this right here is awkward for everyone involved <laughs> right now for numerous reasons. Ash even turned to them at one point and was like, you guys are cool with that, right? And they were like, no, uh, absolutely not. We do not consent to this. I love how Blockbuster Bill says, yeah, unless she's a Linda, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Linda's her middle name, maybe, but... That's another thing. We've brought in a Linda that Ash is clearly attracted to. I know. And played by Michelle Hurd from Daredevil and Law and Order Special Victims Unit a long time ago. Mm -hmm. Yeah, And she was the only one in that bar that was kind of like... Still on board with him, you know what I mean? Like yeah. everyone else is like, let's burn him at the stake, and she was like, guys, he might, he might, he might uh, know what he's talking about. Yeah, and even not just so like, many words, but you, you could tell. You all are degenerate screwheads. Not you, Linda. You're great. You're wonderful. Yeah. So you're just a treasure. <laughs> <laughs> so the only other thing I kind of want to touch on is. Um, I really liked sort of the synergy between the end of last season and the beginning of this episode because actually it was directed and written by the same two folks who uh, who wrote and directed the last episode of last season. Mm. Uh, Rick Jacobson was the director and it was written by Craig uh, DeGregorio. I'm yeah, he's so the showrunner. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I'm so sorry if I mispronounced that. But yeah, I think it's important having you know the showrunner yeah. steering the beginning and the end. Mm-hmm. And kind of the only other thing I want to bring up is according to Wikipedia, it doesn't look like Sam Raimi has directed any of the episodes this season. Mm-hmm. So, on the one hand, it's like, that's kind of a bummer. On the other hand, a lot of returning directors from last season are coming back. That's so awesome. that is really exciting. Yeah, and, yeah. and I feel like I trust this team enough to be like, and that Sam probably trusts this team enough to be like, no, guys, you got a handle on it. Yeah, absolutely. You guys are fine. Yeah, I mean, it was such a good episode. So many little moments, especially like the $6 million man bit. Like, we were all expecting <laughs> it, but it yeah. still was great. Yeah. yeah, I think it was what made it work was yeah. how underplayed it was. Mm-hmm. It, was just like, oh, it was almost a throwaway line. I was a big fan of the Kandarian bayonet. <laughs> <laughs> that like was that. pretty great. Yeah. Yep, that was a good one. Well, any any other thoughts on this episode before we move into predictions? I just loved the final interaction between Brock and Kelly where he was <laughs> like, he's like, you and the illegal, get out of here. Kelly, would you like to have dinner with me? <laughs> mm, that's a hard pass. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> gonna go with no (laughs) (laughs) yeah all right let's go ahead and move on into predictions and now you're after buzz tv predictions the only i mean it's kind of hard because we spent a lot of this episode sort of speculating sure sure episode laying a lot of groundwork um i'm gonna go ahead and just say I feel like whoever is this other enigmatic entity, he's going to try to drive Ash crazy. Because yep. at one point we see Ash in, in the straitjacket. Straight yeah. I feel like he's specifically going to target Ash, Ash's sense of guilt. And I think bringing in his dad oh, yeah. and touching on the fact that Ash's sister is dead yeah. is going to be instrumental in trying to break him. For sure, yeah. And the and the guilt is a, is definitely a real factor with Ash. It's part of the the drinking and the whoring and all that. All of those defense mechanisms. Push, push aside those feels. <laughs> um, I... Uh, I'm interested to see what goes down with Pablo, especially uh, after talking to Ray earlier this evening. Uh, I wanna, I wanna see where this magical journey takes him. I truly believe that he's gonna become like all powerful shaman, Pablo. I want him to be a <laughs> wizard. Yeah, basically, basically, uh, that's exactly what I want. And um, 
I'm just waiting for Ted Raimi, guys. Yeah. Yes. I'm super Ted Raimi. <laughs> yeah, I'd like to see Pablo become a shaman. Failing that, if he also loses his hand, I'd like to see some fun cyborg appendages on him. Heck yeah. But, Megan, I want to piggyback on your prediction and also tie it into what we are talking about before about potential leadership roles within this group. I think we're going to see Ash torn down about as far as he can be and that is going to enable both Kelly and Pablo to rise to more prominent positions and I think we may see them saving Ash more than the reverse Mm -hmm. yeah I like that to me I see Ash is you know he's the aging leader so eventually there is going to be this shift in like Kelly and Pablo taking a more powerful role whether Pablo becomes a wizard or not but <laughs> I sure hope he gets a fabulous robot hand if he does lose yes. it <laughs> all of Malcolm Merlin <laughs> yeah. but yeah like I really do uh, you know care more about the journey with Kelly and Pablo like I love the Ash stuff but we know Ash yeah. let's get to know these two and where That's they're true. at because well, Kelly hasn't dealt with with a lot of her stuff yet. Yeah, and the you thing is, is, as much as we love Ash, yeah. and we, we talked about this a lot last season too, we love Ash, but as a character, he's not going to really grow and change. The <laughs> no, most, that's most, what's the best part about him. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Yeah. He's a little like Batman yeah. in that you can't yeah. arc Batman out of being Batman because then you don't have a story anymore. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the most you can do is allow him to care about other people sure. and to deal with his issues to an extent. Right. But yeah, any more than that, and he's no longer... Ash. Ash, yeah. exactly. The only way you could really do that where Ash at the end of the story is very different is if you go, okay, this is the end. We've reached yes, the end of Ash's cor- journey. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And you're I hope that doesn't right. happen for another like seven, eight years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for another no. several seasons, just, just yes. to say the least. Yeah. I, I agree wholeheartedly. Uh, any other final thoughts? No. No. <laughs> well, uh, uh, I wish we knew. You know what? I always do that when I'm leading to. I'm like, any thoughts? No. Okay. okay. Well, then I'm going to talk to you folks really quickly about <laughs> iTunes. Folks, thank you so, so much to everybody who's gone to iTunes to rate, subscribe, leave a comment. We love hearing from you, and it is the best way to let our bosses know, like, uh, uh, let them know that you like the show that we're putting on and if you guys do write and leave a comment you will get a shout out on the show sadly my phone is not bringing up iTunes at the moment yeah, so mine, I've got nothing uh, is it's that up, dead zone I was gonna say mine's coming up saying we have no reviews at all and I'm, I'm like, that's sure not, that that's not no, right that's not correct <laughs> so I'm not sure what the issue yeah, is we will, we will read off whatever we have next week hopefully we'll <laughs> assuming we're in a different studio but yes thank you guys we will give you a shout out on the show. In the meantime, keep those YouTube comments coming too, because we love hearing from you in the live chat. We love it is a highlight of my week going into like iTunes and YouTube and just seeing what you guys have to say. So thank you all so so much for tuning in. Mm-hmm. Lex, where can people go if they want to find you? People can find me all over social media at the Lex Michael. Lucretia. And since I'm Lucretia Lyon, guys, you can always find me at L-A-C-R-E-T-I-A-L-Y-O-N anywhere on the internet since there is only one. I'm Emma Fife. I can be found all over the internet at my name, Emma Fife. E M M A F Y F F E. That is all F's as in Frank, no mm-hmm. S's as in Snake. They tend to sound the same uh, when you say them on the phone or into a microphone and then project them into somebody's ears. Uh, you can find <laughs> me on a bunch of shows here at AfterBuzz TV. Also on Sundays, I am doing the Bob's Burgers after show at 7 Pacific time and on Tuesdays, the Star Wars Rebels after Woo! show, uh, which Megan is on as well, and that is at uh, 6 p.m. Pacific time. Uh, you will not find me here next week as I will be away uh, working at a convention in Hawaii, but I'll mm-hmm. be back the week after that. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> and I'm making you guys can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at the Manguin. That's T H E M E N G U I N. I am also on a bunch of shows here at After Buzz and I write articles for the movie chick. That's Chick with Two Ks. Be sure to check those out. I am also not going to be here next week, so I apologize, guys. I'm going on a little bit of a vacation, so I'm going to be missing from a lot of my shows. But I am very much looking forward to coming back and talking about this show in particular because it is spectacular. So thank you guys so so much for tuning in. We will see you all next time. From executive producers Maria Manunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other after shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Catch you on the flip-flop. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.